Hello, brother. Hey, brother. Welcome to a very special episode of the Match Witch Podcast. I'm your host, Chris, along with some vagrant I found on the street, Steve. How are you, Steve? <laughs> I'm your older brother. Come on, yeah. give, give me some props here. By, by seven years, but um, we wanted to change things up for this season finale of season six, where we've done the same Steve hosted, tried to throw some nostalgia my way to throw me off, and then I admit some embarrassing things from my childhood, and then we converse about random topics until we hit about an hour, and then we wrap up after touching on other things we're going to talk on the other podcast. So, um Originally, Matchwits was supposed to be a pop culture podcast, and then it got turned into a nostalgia podcast, and then it's just basically an ADD ramble fest. But I compiled some statistics from this season, Steve. Do you have any any idea of how many minutes we've done this season? Well, this is episode 25. I've seen we average an hour plus. Uh, yep. You're making me I do can, math. Well, um, no. Okay. How, how, what's our average, do you think? I want to say we average probably an hour and three minutes. No. 71 minutes. So it's an hour and 11 minutes that, <laughs> we, that we average. Well, some of them are really short. Like we have like a 45-minute one, but that was all. All we talked about was the Avengers Endgame for 45 minutes where I just geeked out about stuff. And we like talked about how awesome it was, which I revisited since it's come out recently. And it's still as, as great as I remember. But... Mm. We have some long ones. We have a couple 80-minute ones, and I don't really... A few of them are relatively recent, but that's probably... We go off on a tangent, but we have 1,699 minutes of, of content this year. 28.3 <laughs> hours. It's over a full day of content, and we have 21 followers on Twitter. All Whose right, fault so, is that, Stephen? All right, all right, all right. So Twitter is not my... All right, I'm getting better. All right, so... <laughs> We were, we were talking about this before we jumped on. So a couple of things on Twitter. And again, I'm not getting more followers, so I, I, I definitely need to do that. But I had two, what I would say, pretty decent posts recently. One was the picture of the 1993 Browns where I went out to and asked people to pick one person from the team that mm -hmm. they could put on this year's Browns. It was unanimous. Well, I didn't say it was unanimous. The player that was unanimous was Eric Turner, number 29. Um yeah. And then, uh, uh, and then the other person in the picture that was unanimous was Bill Belichick. So that one got some interaction. And then the other day, when Trevor Bauer was traded to the uh, to the Reds, I had and I don't know if you remember this. Like a year ago, I went and saw the Mariners play uh, the the Indians, and Bauer was pitching. So I took a little seven second video of Trevor Bauer doing his, you know, he has that wacky warm up. He's doing it behind Andre Knott, who's I think he's Fox Sports Ohio. So Andre and I had this real nice post about Trevor Bauer and the relationship they built, and I posted that little little clip and got some got some likes from them. So there you go, getting better. Yeah, you're 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 addressing the Cleveland sports market. <laughs> I mean, we're not a we're not. A, I mean, we are a Cleveland. We did a full episode on Cleveland sports, but I wouldn't say that's our. That's that was episode uh, episode eleven, Cleveland Sports. Then, then again, Steve, the only reason I even have any followers is because I was really active at the beginning, and for some reason, I tweeted about Chloe Bennett, who plays Daisy on Agents of Shield. Did you watch any of Agents of Shield? She plays Quake, and they did this really cool like one take uh, action sequence, and I forget what it was. And it was like right after John Wick came out, so I was really into like action 
sequences and I said something about it and she retweeted it and liked it and it got all this traction. And to the, to this date, when you go on my impressions, that's still probably my most popular tweet that I've ever had, which is pretty mm. sad versus you want to, you want a community that's super supportive, Steve, and you want to start tweeting at, I say we do another horror episode. The mm. horror, the horror community on Twitter is one of the most supportive things that I've ever, I wouldn't even say involved with because my Twitter is a little bit more like I have a Calvin and Hobbes header. That's <laughs> like, not right. not really the market, but I'm a huge, huge, huge horror fan. So if we want to start addressing it that way, but that's ways to go about it. We can start doing and then tweet it out to a couple people that I know that do like aggregate sites for horror news. And those are, those guys are really supportive too, but I digress. I just wanted to bring up a, a few of the, a few of the numbers that we did over the season. It's one of those things, Steve, like we've been always been relatively close. Like we've always gotten along a lot, but this past season is the most I've ever talked to you mm-hmm. <laughs> outside of growing oh, up absolutely. In, in the same house. Like you, you moved, I mean, you came back to Erie when you, when you worked at Lord and we hung out. I remember you used to come over and hang out with you and Dan at that house on 38th street. And, yep. but then, then you moved to Virginia and then you got married and I was your best man. And, but then after that, we kind of, I was in college. So like, I was completely useless to everybody. I didn't talk to mom, dad, Jen, you, anybody. <laughs> like if you weren't at Penn state, like I didn't really talk to you all that much. And then when I graduated, I moved to Pittsburgh with Jen and I, I don't even, were you still in Virginia or were you in North Carolina at that point? I don't, you moved around a lot. Well, but, yeah, I was, but I was, yeah, I was in Virginia for a long time. Then we moved to York, um, yep. but you're, you're forgetting one. I, I know where you're going with it, but you're forgetting one kind of important event that happened right as your senior year of, of the trip uh, to Europe. Yeah. Which would have been a great video podcast of two weeks of <laughs> you and I rambling through Europe um, to the point where the end there was, I remember there's a couple of points where I think we were starting to grade on each other a little sure. bit where I you know I wanted to walk around, check things <laughs> out. And you're like, I don't really want to do it unless I know where I'm going. I don't want to kind of go. Well, yeah. <laughs> so. so you were, you had the, it was, it was when we were in Venice. I remember I had that breaking point because we had been up. We got up really, really early and we were walking and we had our big pat, our big rucksacks and we had been walking and it was Venice in the middle of August. So it was like 95 degrees. The canals smelled terrible oh at, God, that, at that point in time. And we had been walking and I was all for it like at the beginning. And then it hit like three or four hours in and we didn't know where we were staying yet. <laughs> and I was hungry and I was cranky. And I remember I, it may have been in St. Marco's Square. I just sat down and I said, I'm not going another foot until you tell me what we're doing. And then you're like, all right, fine. We'll find a hotel. And then after that, Steve, that night was probably one of my favorite nights of that trip is when mm-hmm. we sat and we drank cheap Italian wine, which was really, really good Italian wine, but it was cheap as hell. And we sat in St. Marco's Square and listened to like, it was like, remember, it was like a 14 piece orchestra that was playing across from us and we just sat there like i don't even know if we talked like at all we just kind (laughs) of sat and took it in but between that and then the one night when we were in was it vernazzo of 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 the the fishing villages in italy where we found that the 
So Seth, Steve and I went and did this two week expedition through Europe. We had like a Eurorail pass and we had a few days planned, but so we at towards the later parts of the trip, we just kind of got on the train and went wherever we wanted to. And we had went to, I, I always butcher the name. Was it Cinque de Terra? Wherever the, it's these yeah, five, the five villages, the yeah. five villages along the Mediterranean sea in, in Italy. So we've met up with these, these students from Oklahoma, like we kind of befriended them on the train and we were trying to figure out where we were going to stay. And we got off at the same village and they went and we were just like, all right, we're just going to grab a beer and something to eat. And they went and looked for rooms and they came back and saw us sitting there and they're like, Hey guys, we can't find any rooms here. We're just going to try the next village. We're like, ah, we'll figure something out. We're just going to sit and relax. It was real nice. It was the, you know, a beautiful August day in this cool little village right on the, so there's a nice sea breeze. And this little old Italian lady walks over and goes, you need room? And we're like, uh, <laughs> yeah, sure. And she goes, you stay in my attic. And I remember I just kind of looked at you and you were like, yeah, let's check it out. And I'm like, this is how horror movies start. And I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't want to end up in a bathtub full of ice, missing kidneys. And you're just like, come on, man, like have some spirit. And I was like, all right. And she took us off when she led us down this little alleyway up these narrow stairs. And I was like, oh man, like, this is how the story ends. This is how <laughs> I become a cautionary tale. And then she opens it up to this sweet little, it was it like a one bedroom with like a, with like a kitchen. Oh, like barely. It was like, yeah, it was like had a bed, it had a little bathroom, but it had a veranda. It had a veranda that but, oh, you could see the Mediterranean Sea from there. But it yeah. was like it had those cool patio chairs that we went, we sat. Mm-hmm. So Steve and I went and got, I don't know, two bottles of wine, three bottles of wine. Something it was, like that. And then we argued religion for like four and a half hours <laughs> sitting out on this veranda. I, I believe I slept, you slept in the bed and I slept on the tile floor of the little kitchenette area. I don't think, I don't even know how that happened. I just kind of remember getting inside, but yeah. those, those two, but yeah. So, I mean, we had that trip, Steve, but other than that, after that, for like, that was when I was 21, 22. Right. And then, I mean, we, we kept in touch, like when, you know, obviously we did family functions and stuff together, but we never, I would never call you on the phone and talk to you for an hour a week for 24 straight weeks. So this pod, <laughs> this podcast has brought our relationship back together and yeah. it took you moving across the country and a podcast to, to solidify us as brothers again. Right. You know, I'm fucking 40 years old and you're what, 47 now? You're pushing 50? Yeah. And now pushing, I'm 47. <laughs> like, I'm a newly minted 47. Sure. But anyways. I'm newly minted 40. But I just want to say, Steve, this yes. has probably been one of my favorite creative endeavors. Like, I've made films that I've been proud of. I've been involved with things that I've been kind of proud of. But this has been one of my favorite. I look forward to this weekly. Yeah, do. Me, like, me, it, me too. But we always talk about, like, your intro always says we go head-to-head on a, on a number of topics. Like, we don't really go head-to-head too much. Like, we tend to – I can sway you sometimes or I can at least talk you out of things. Yeah. But one of the things that we do or we try to do weekly is the dimwit bet. So, Steve, do you want to tell the audience how much I'm up? Yeah, uh, right now it's $3 in yes. your favor. In my favor. In my favor. So, yes. So, unless you, in the season finale, unless you go on some kind of run and challenge me on trivia, which I will allow you. If you would like to pull up your computer and go to, like, a pop culture quiz site, pull up any one of them, and I have to get at least a 7 out of 10. 
there's a couple websites that like it's called Fun Trivia that you can go <clears> on. So you get to pick. But so one of the things that I also want to touch base on is I finally got you to start watching the Goldbergs. Oh and my god, it's awesome. One of the things because the more you watch it, Steve, like especially we talked about this off air that. As Adam gets older, like when he goes into like eighth or ninth grade, he becomes me. Like I, I am Adam to a certain extent. I didn't have a camera growing up, so I wasn't documenting everything. But between you being seven years older and having a flexibility about renting me. Actually, you weren't the one that used to because you were always gone. I mean, by the time I was 13, you were 20. So you're already in college where Jen right. was the one that we used to just go to movie stop every week and Jen used to just look at me and just go all right get whatever you want and I remember the first time I walked up with Sorority House Massacre 2 she goes I don't and I was like just do it and she said (laughs) so she but one of those things that I had growing up was access to things that I probably shouldn't have like between you showing me Evil Dead 2 when I was 11 to Jen running me whatever I wanted to Patrick both in comic books let me read Probably like he used to be in graphic novels that I I shouldn't have read as as a child or reading above my 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 grade reading comics and but then also him Uncle Pat didn't give a crap what Patrick watched so I used to be able to watch all of those all those risque I remember watching Cobra the sweet Sylvester Stallone cop movie where he goes after the serial killer awesome. what is the what's the car is it like a fifty three Mercury Something like that, yeah. It's definitely like a, it's either like a, four, I want to say forty nine jumps out of my head, but it forty nine fifty three whatever. It was an old, like, redone lowered car. Do- it was a bat. It was a, it was it was a uh, it was a star of the movie for sure. Dollar bet. Uh, what was his full name in that movie? Sylvester Stallone's character. Oh crap! Uh, John. No, it was okay. a girl's name. I don't know. Well, that's what Heidi? Cobra is. No. <laughs> yeah, Heidi. His name, his name was Heidi. No, it's uh, Marion Cobretti. Oh, right. They, they just called him Cobra. It was a 1950 Mercury Monterey Coupe. Nice. Also ranked, I think it was like seventh on the best movie cars of all time. It's a sweet car I'm looking at It right was now. a very sweet car. But so when, so when I was a kid, I had access to a lot of stuff that I shouldn't have watched. And the same thing with Adam. And especially as he gets older, like 13, 14 years old, he becomes me. But so we, Aaron and I, and a few of my friends and I have had, had discussions about, I mean, you even said that your wife said that that family is us. So who are you, Steve? Are you Barry? Well, I would have to be. Well, the, the daughter is actually older. So I don't know how into it you've got. Yeah, so but the but the but the daughter reminds me a lot of Jen, like the a lot facial expressions and the <laughs> hair and all that. Yeah, like, so it's just it, the ages are, are the, swapped. The, the, That's the, the same. Are, yeah, yeah. So, but in real life, he has an older brother. Like those are all like all the characters are 100 percent inspired by his real family. But the only thing that they didn't have, other than Bev, they didn't have a female character on the show like as a main cast member so they changed eric is the older brother in real life and they changed it to erica and like he's actually on a couple of the episodes where she interviews him and she was like do you like the fact that you're not addressed he was like i love it he was like barry's just in real life barry's just getting killed because the did he has he done the barry run where he like flails his arms out to the side apparently that's a real thing like that's the real way 
Eric, his, or his his brother runs in real life. Like so, it's just become. But so, yeah. But pops the the older played by the older grandfather played by George Siegel, who is the most endearing character on that show. On, oh on, yeah, on a cast of great characters. He's probably one of my favorites just because George Siegel is so lovable and innocent and hysterical at the same time. But he does. Does that not remind you of our grandfather? Outside of the womanizing, I guess. But <laughs> Right, right. The kind but... of just quick with a sarcastic comment and guidance and tell you that you're kind of dumb. And Yeah, there, there, is, yeah, there, is, there is some of that there for sure. Sure. So, but that's, that's how we're going to segue into... This week's topic is I wanted to talk about our all-time favorite television show characters. Now, favorite and best are two different things, Steve, so that you can't go by what the internet has listed because there's no way to quantify best because you can do best mm. dramatic or best comedic or any of that stuff. But what is the end-all, be-all? It's not. There is no end-all, be-all to right. best because every... TV show strikes somebody differently. Like you, you. When I first brought the topic up to you, you brought up Mash. Now I watched a lot of Mash when I was a kid because it was you liked it. Dad loved it, and so yeah. When you bring up Hawkeye, but I wouldn't put Hawkeye anywhere near my top five list just because it didn't resonate with me. I had never mm. served. I had never served in the military the way Dad has. I had never. It was already in repeat, so it wasn't the cultural zeitgeist that it may have been when you were younger. You know what I mean? Like when yeah. when it was really, really popular and it was on broadcast television, that was around the time you were watching a lot of television. But by the time I got into television, it was in syndication, so it wasn't on as regularly. So when you start talking about best characters of all time versus favorite characters, that's where it gets murky. So... Well, and, and when I went to college, right, in my freshman year, we didn't have cables. We had whatever broadcast stations we could pick up with the antenna on the 13-inch TV yeah. that mom and dad let me take. And the Johnstown, Pennsylvania mm-hmm. station would run mash marathons, like, over, like, Labor Day weekend or whatever. They would run, and we would just sit around. And sure. I think that was particularly the semester where I had mono, and I was, like, pretty much bedridden. Um, or, and, and so I remember just watching it and just like, and you watch those episodes and they kind of, you know, they go from being very serious and dramatic to very comedic, but they're, you know, the way the characters, the characters had some depth to them. And, and sure. again, and to this day, what well, I think it was a hundred million people watched the finale. The of finale. Mesh. It's like, the most watched. You will never see that again in a in a broadcast TV show because everything's so splintered, right? Because at the time, I don't know when the, the finale aired, 70s, 80s. Oh, um, you didn't have a lot of choices, right? So 100 million draw you could do because it was either that or you watch like 60 minutes or something else. So, 106 uh, million people watched the MASH finale. Yep. That is, that is insane. Like when they talked about the the finale of game of thrones like game of thrones is a premium uh, premium network so a lot of people don't want to pay the extra money but it got like 16.5 million viewers now just think about that in comparison wait 16 like one six 16 16. 16.5 million viewers i mean but that obviously people pirate it so like that's even the 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 demographics or the numbers the ratings themselves are so skewed because people consume media so differently now 
that you're never going to top that. You're never going to top 105 million people watching the same thing at the same time. Like that's, I don't know what the population was in whatever it was, 35 years ago. So that's 84. I don't know what the population of the (laughs) United States was at that point in time, but it, I can't believe it fluctuated that much and we're at what 330 million now so you're talking almost a third of the country stopped whatever they were doing yep. at one point in time and sat and watched the mash finale but i digress so like the cultural zeitgeist was already gone by the time i started getting heavily into well not heavily into but watching mash a lot with you guys so my right. list is going to be extremely different than yours and especially right. because i have weirder tastes and i've consumed a little bit more media or pop culture than you have steve like the top of my list and it wasn't even a discussion like as soon as i started bringing this up to other people they said well who's yours and i said i know one right off the bat and i don't know if you've ever watched this show deadwood steve on no but but i'm familiar i I know what it is but but you need to watch it solely for for a character named Al Swearingen, played by ian mcshane now al Swearingen is the most pragmatic they they portray him as the the antagonist but he's not he's just this force to be reckoned with he's he's the proprietor of a bar and whorehouse in in the small town of deadwood and he has some of the greatest lines and diatribes and the dirtiest most profane mouth you've ever heard but it comes out of ian mcshane's voice like poetry I just, there's, <laughs> right. there's just a small clip that i want to play for you steve it's only a minute long and i don't want to lose you but it is it, it's al talking to it's the principal from uh ferris bueller's day off i forget what his name is the pedophile that we're not supposed to talk about anymore but he runs like the daily the newspaper in deadwood and he just got beat up by some outside people that were trying to strong arm him and he's talking to al about what he should do and so this is the clip so hold on all right I'm in despair. The physical damage is repairable, but the psychic wound may be permanent. You ever been beaten, Merrick? Once, when I thought I had the smallpox, Doc Cochran slapped me in the face. Stop it, Al. Are you dead? Well, I'm in pain, but no, I'm obviously not dead. But obviously you didn't fucking die when the doc slapped you. No. So including last night, that's three fucking damage incidents that didn't kill you. Pain or damage don't end the world. Or despair or fucking beatings. The world ends when you're dead. Until then... You got more punishment in store. Stand it like a man and give some back. <laughs> so good. This that that voice delivering those kind of right old west proverbs on a regular <laughs> basis. Oh, dude! Like if if you get it, I know I give you a lot of recommendations, and your list is growing exponentially the more I do it. But he is easily a top five character of all time for me. So. I know you. Cool. That, that, that gives I've you. Heard and, and they're making a movie, right? Or have they, they already did. made them? They did. I haven't sat down and watched it yet. I just been. I've been caught up on other. Th- this brings up another thing, Steve. If you haven't started watching The Boys on Amazon Prime yet, you want to mm-hmm. watch a bleak 
violent deconstruction of the superhero the the cult of superhero worship in modern society it is really good and like you really won't recognize too many people from it like it's got carl urban who you probably should know who he is do you know who carl urban is no he was he was dread in the new dread movie that came out he was the russian bad guy that tried to kill jason Bourne in the second jason Bourne movies Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? He plays this guy named Billy the Butcher, and he's like a rogue CIA or a rogue agent that decides to take on this group of superheroes called the Seven. And every, every one of the Seven has like some kind of weird perversion. Like one's a drug addict, one's like has like a lactation fantasy and stuff. But it's it's an interesting it's an interesting deconstruction. So if you're not watching that, you should. But so. I don't really have a segue from that into your like that was just my number one, but I have some. Well, there's there's an there's an interesting thing there, right? Because if I look at my list with maybe it's a blend between, and I think this is where we've evolved as society, right? From network television and you know uh, appointment based watching that would be like, all right, must see TV Thursday night, eight 30, yep. got to watch this to the era we're in now with HBO and Netflix and, and everybody putting out content. It's, it's kind of taken on this dynamic. So if I look at my list, I've got a blend of like, you know, it was hard back then to carry a show and, 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 you know, air episodes every week, 22 episodes for a lot of these was, was the average, right? And some of yeah. them would do more and put out that much content um, and have to write it and do it. And then to hold an audience and do that for years on years, like something like MASH did or something like the Magnum PI or any of those others. Um, so there's really, there's, but there's really this, I mean, how much, I mean, Deadwood's been on a while though, right? How many seasons is uh, No, it was two and it was done. I think it may have been three. Mm. It was one of those ones. It never caught. It never caught a, a cult following. It never did. And it wasn't really, I mean, Westerns are a hard sell. Like it yep. just didn't, it, it just didn't catch the way it should have, which is, it's just a shame because the cast is great between Ian McShane as Al Swearingen and Timothy Oliphant as Seth Bullock. And Seth Bullock is pretty mm. much the complete opposite of, Al Swearingen. Al Swearingen is pragmatic and violent and and sociopathic. Where Seth Bullock's like that law and order, prim and proper by the by the letter of the law kind of dude. And they both start infecting each other as the series progresses. Like Timothy Oliphant kind of lo- loosens up and starts doing a little bit more nefarious things to further his cause, and se- and, and Al starts making choices slightly differently where it's not just worried about the bottom line. He's worried about the people of his town and stuff. And it's just the progression of those characters is great, but it got lost because it, mm-hmm. it came on during the the beginning of the, really the beginning of streaming, like in like 2004 is when it started. And that's right when kind of Netflix started really catching I think that may have been right around when they started streaming in the first place. So HBO hadn't really caught up to that yet. And there wasn't really, I mean, there was on demand, but it certainly wasn't the catalog or the library that you can find now. Right. And, but that's, that's one of the things is like characters of those old, of yesteryear of those broadcast days, I don't want to say had an easier time, but there just was less to choose from and less options of how to consume it. Now it's just right. 
every every television sh- or every television network has its own streaming service and every streaming service has its own television department right. and and it's hard for those things to really capture like that's why bird box was such an anomaly because it was one of those things that it had a great trailer and it hit right when which was smart by netflix would landed right in that that off seat or that that two week span between christmas and new year's where like colleges were off a lot of people had oh, vacation right. times and stuff like that and so that's why i think it hit 25 million people watched it in those first few days which dwarfs the the game of thrones finale you know what i mean like and right. but netflix doesn't really quantify those it doesn't quantify who started it and didn't start or didn't finish it who watched five minutes of it who added it to their queue like their their statistics are all skewed where the nielsen ratings in the early 90s before streaming and everything became a thing that's why characters like george costanza fall on the fall on my list because like you can't talk about early 90s television without talking about Seinfeld and in the cast of characters of great characters I you have to say that Costanza was the strongest right uh, yeah but you know uh, th- that whole I, I went through those 90s shows like Friends Seinfeld yep. or even like something like a Cheers where it's more of an ensemble cast and you're like you could drop well yeah if Seinfeld is good without Costanza probably not um yeah but like can you say that about any characters on like maybe kramer maybe like newman and all the like the the tertiary and secondary yeah, yeah, characters yeah. like those are all kind of interchangeable because it was on for as long as it was in so right. many different characters but of the of the core group you can't the same thing with friends like that's why i have a hard time putting one like obviously i'm a huge chandler bing fan because i am chandler bing in real life <laughs> right that's why i always anytime anyone was like i never know how to read your text messages or or, or my tweets like just read it like chandler would and that's kind, <laughs> kind of my 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 delivery style and my sarcastic nature so that's why when doing my list i have a hard time putting anyone from those particular shows in my top five just because it yeah. was a you can't take any yeah, of I didn't them out. I didn't put anybody from Seinfeld. Um I think as honorable mentions I have like Reverend Jim from Taxi, but Taxi <laughs> was largely an ensemble cast, right? And I think Sorry. even Reverend Jim kind of set the mold for a like a oddball character like a, like a Kramer, right? Sure. If you look at what Christopher Lloyd did with with Reverend Jim and some sure. of the quotes and everything, like it was awesome. And then um, I'm looking through my list. So the, my if you look at my list, we can go into my list. Is like these are a they define the actor's career pretty much, and b they were like even in an ensemble cast without them, like they, they, this that this show isn't what it is. And I'll go with the number six on my my. Do you want me to go into my list? Tell you sure. what's on my list. Right. Like I'll go through who I who I didn't include. How about that? So I didn't okay. include Reverend Jim. Uh, I didn't include Lipschitz from NYPD, NYPD Blue. I can't remember the actor's name, but um, it was, uh, he was he was great. Like that character was great. Lipschitz the is Polish. the yeah. He's the he was the remind us of our dad a little bit. Um, yeah, he was in Die Hard too. He was the head of airport security. Yeah, I can't remember. Yeah, I can't remember his name. Uh, um, I can't either. Uh, Archie Bunker. 
<laughs> like, See, do you realize like all of your ones are older than thirty years? Ago? I know, but I mean, look at I mean, but look at we're talking uh, favorite all time, and then I have Don Draper sure. on there. Okay, um, Don Draper over uh, Sterling. Over Roger Sterling? See, I, I like Sterling as a yeah, character that's a good way, point. That's way good point. more than Don Draper. Yep. That's no, what he, I mean. you're right. See, His character this, was much, much this better. Is, this is the best versus favorite argument. Mm, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you're talking about, yeah, Don Draper is the, is the main character and, and the, the one the story follows. But Roger Sterling comes in and steals every single scene that he's in. Like, every single yeah, one. Pretty, of them. Yeah, that's a good point. That's where a lot of mine come in. Like, on mine, I think just to go back, like Chief Hopper from Stranger Things, to me, it, every scene that he's in is better because he's in it. Oh, I, of course, but, yeah, yeah. So Hopper's great. in a in a in a cat or in a show that they have a lot of really really good fleshed out characters, Hopper is my favorite by far, just because of these little things that David. Have you watched season three yet, Steve? Nope. So uh, I'm not I'm giving anything. Right I'm not giving anything away story-wise. At one point in time, he goes to question somebody that was lying to him before, and he kind of roughs him up a little bit, and he gets this file for, file from him. And when he's going to read it, he just moves all the stuff off the guy's desk for no reason other than just to be a dick. Like, he just kind of, like, <laughs> knocks everything over, like, just so he can sit on this tiny corner, and he takes this rubber band off the file folder and he wraps it around his finger and he shoots it in the guy's face and before you're like <laughs> and i'm pretty sure i'm 90 percent, 95 percent positive like that's not in the script that's just the actor david harbour being so in tune with with chief Hopper. like right, right. steve to the point where i rewound it a few times because like carrie eloise plays uh, Spoiler alert. Carrie Eloise plays the guy that he's roughing up, the mayor of the town. Mm-hmm. And Carrie Eloise, like, reacts, like, as you would if someone shot a rubber band in your face and looks surprised. And, like, David <laughs> Harbour smiles a little bit. But that's – so that's the thing. When when the cast of characters is so great and the scenes are good and, right. and they're even better when that person enters, that's why I would put Sterling over Don Draper. Okay. Not to yeah. not to take anything away from John Hamm, and not to take anything away from anybody else on that show, because they're pretty much all great. But the, the John Slattery coming in as Roger Sterling, the big dick swinging machismo of ad agencies in the fifties, and he just kind of yeah, but the there, per- yeah, but yeah, I can boil it down. There's a scene, and I uh, um, there's a scene, and it's great for salespeople, right? There's a scene where Don Draper is with, I think they're talking with the people from Hershey, <laughs> and they're not receptive to the, the conversation or whatever. And he pushes back. He's like, we're, we're done here. And he goes on, and, and he completely wins these guys over by just pushing back from the table, like, we're wasting our time. You guys don't want to improve your business. You don't want to listen to other people and all that. And the guy says, sit down. He says, no. And he continues to go through his pitch, and he wins. He takes a completely lost opportunity, turns it into a win. And that three-minute scene is is why I would put Don Draper on my list because it's just a – when he was on his A game, Don Draper sure. as the character, he was he was the best. So, Okay. Um, I don't know. A couple, couple – oh, go ahead. There, there's also – like when you start talking about sales like, and everyone talks about their favorite – sales used th- or favorite movie scenes used for sales everyone always brings up the alec baldwin from Glenn, gary glenn ross yeah and that's the only scene he's in like everybody tries <laughs> to like portray that they've watched that movie like yeah my favorite character is alec baldwin he's so good through that whole movie i was like have you ever seen it outside of that clip because he's not in any of the rest of the movie <laughs> 
oh well i didn't know that but yeah right. but that's what i mean so like steve you're talking about one of the best ensemble casts of legend alan arkin oh crap i'm gonna forget who's all who else is in that alan arkin uh uh who's angry jack lemon al pacino and who's the fourth I don't remember who the fourth is, but you're talking about some of the greatest actors of all time, and Alec Baldwin's in a scene for five minutes and steals right. them and steals a great, already great movie, and that's all anybody remembers is the always is the closing scene. Yep. Is the closing scene that the only scene he was in. So, but. all right, couple couple more on my not list, um, <laughs> but I would say honorable mention Lisa Simpson. Sure, that's I mean, hard. Gonna, it, yeah. It's hard to pick a specific Simpsons character. Especially if you're talking about the core Simpsons, because Homer at the beginning was like a lovable dad who was just a like a klutz, and then he just becomes like a brain dead <laughs> mo- monkey right, right. for for plot development. So, but Lisa, Lisa's got depth. She's got yeah. cause. She's like, yeah, you know, I don't know, she, and probably has stayed the most consistent. I, I obviously I haven't watched it much recently. I kind of gave up after whatever season fourteen or fifteen. Yeah. Which is on like season 29 an hour or something, right? It's ridiculous. So, but yeah, the core group that the one that probably stayed the most consistent. Yeah. I would put, I would put Lisa Simpson up there. But if we're talking about animated, Steve, I, you probably watch the Simpsons more than I, than you watch South Park though. Right. Right. No, I had Kenny on my list. Okay. Over Randy Marsh. (laughs) Randy Marsh is like Betty and I, one of my best friends. Timmy. or Tim, yeah, see that's you can't do Timmy anymore, man. Like that's that's a delicate. It's 2019. I don't think Timmy's on. Timmy or Jimmy are on that show anymore. Oh really? I don't. I watch that show. And I watch the season, but Randy Marsh is consistently one of my always. There's never been cringeworthy moments with him unless they're supposed to be. So that's why right. either him or Archer. Those were my. We had we had talked about there has to be an animated character on there if if you're doing like a top five list. So that was yeah. the two that I argued with were Archer, Archer Sterling Archer and and Randy Marsh. But Lisa Simpson's a fair bet, especially due to longevity. Yep. Yeah, so. that show's been on forever. Um, Sam Beckett is also on my honorable list. We've <laughs> talked about that show multiple times on the podcast. I don't mean to go deep there. Just great. Like it just. It, Great character, great show. Just not in my my top list, but man, that's a good good character. And I said I said this on the last time we talked about it. I will never let a passing moment or a, a quantum leap reference go without saying that he never went home at the end. <laughs> it's just the last Sam time never card. went home. It that's just it. said that it's the saddest Steve. Come on, man! It was eight eight years or eight seasons of him going through the time space continuum, helping other people solve these you know moral ethical and, and racial dilemmas and and causing all this personal growth and he doesn't get rewarded at all like he just doesn't ever get to go home like that was the whole point of the show is he was trying to go home and the last thing at the very end of the very last episode the title card says sam never went home yeah spoiler Suck. alert yeah spoiler <laughs> alert f all right. that all right i got two more on my not list okay. um john snow oof it was close because I really liked, and you know, I'm not the Game of Thrones fan. Like I have not yeah. seen everything there, but that they they did a good job of capturing, like like or creating somebody that you know, like it was, I don't know, uh, charismatic, um, rough. Like it was, it was uh, maybe even soap opera esque a little bit. Um, yeah, reminded me of Patch from uh, <laughs> Days of Our Lives, um, kind of. <laughs> 
<laughs> drop the days of our lives forever. <laughs> well, a lot of people aren't going to realize like that was our mom's favorite soap opera growing up. I watched that was everybody's time. favorite soap opera. Was it? No, it was General Hospital. No. But yeah, that was just us. That was just us that watched it. But I watched it, was it in the, college. And I watched Santa Barbara. It was the other one that I watched. Oh, well, I that, that, one. that was yeah. on at three. Dude, think about who got her start on Robin. Um, what's her name? Robin, Robin Wright. Or Robin Penn. Robin Wright. Yeah. Robin Wright. Yeah. Got her start on. Oh, because it was on at three o'clock after school. Right after school, we'd be able to walk home, and or I'd walk to Aaron Hurdles, and we used to sit and watch Santa Barbara after school, which is like the late. And then I think Saved by the Bell came on at like four. You want to talk about a character that I absolutely love growing up and I can't possibly even associate myself with now after that Zach Morris's trash show came out? I can't. Like that's, he's not even close to being on my list. Like I, to the point, Steve, I used to comb my hair like Zach Morris. Like I oh, I know. To, I know. And now I can't even admit that, except All I right. just did. So the, the last not list, and then we'll actually get into my real list, Jack Bauer. Sure. <laughs> just because... Like it starts to repeat itself a little bit, like, but the first couple of seasons of Twenty Four and that character was it was I liked it. There was I can't I, I wish I I should have looked it up, but someone on Reddit like broke it down like how many people he killed over the course of like what, however many seasons it was because those are the premise was it was twenty four hours of the like so each season was a twenty four hour segment and. It was like, so it went, what, seven seasons? So there was like seven days, and he killed hundreds of people at that point in time. So it worked out to be like the highest murder rate of any serial killer in here in history. Oh, I'll easily. Try, I'll have to try to find it. But yeah, Jack Bauer with his just his sociopathic pragmatism of just eliminating people that needed. Hold on. Let me find the statistic. But yeah, talk about it. So why you're, why you're doing that? I'm gonna now. Are you ready for me to go into my actual list now? After we went into my my not list, but there were some good honorable mentions on there. I felt. So hold on, Steve. Okay, a list of the fallen. A list of the fallen people killed over the course of just eight days of Jack Bauer's life. Could you just take a guess? Uh, Eleven hundred thirty-two. No, Steve. Like even that's a little bit ridiculous. <laughs> like, well, I mean, they blew up stuff. Uh, go ahead. But no, he killed. Like not not that he he caused All other right. people. To be, like he killed directly two hundred and sixty seven people in eight days. That works out to be a, just a smidge. Uh, what uh, a smidge over thirty a day. Holy crap! Yeah, but he was up for a full twenty four hours. They never show him sleeping on that show. So sure, he's he too busy killing people. <laughs> That's crazy. Oh, this but one's Jack Bauer was that was an interesting. It was certainly a it was, sure. a, it was a cool character. And you want to talk about a, a series that caught that zeitgeist moment of being, I don't know how it was even on. I think of how, how long 24 was on. You said like six, seven seasons, right? Yeah. Well, it says over the course of eight days. But no, I mean like time frame. Like when it was, what oh, year, what year. Yeah, if yeah. It, it was, was like bes- before early streaming. 2000s. Yeah. 20, no. I mean, because it was recent. Like 2007, maybe. Yeah, the last season premiered in 2014. So yeah, about 2005. Yeah. All right, so it was about the about the time of on demand and and streaming and stuff. But right. yeah, he was all over the place. But I've heard some things about Kiefer Sutherland that I don't particularly like, which make me uncomfortable with throwing my support behind him. I heard he was like kind what? of a, a abusive d hole. No, yeah, guess uh, what happens from Hollywood families. So yeah, exactly. All right, moving moving on to my list, my actual list, number six on my list. 
Arthur Fonzarelli. <laughs> Why is that funny? I don't know. There's, really like, come on. Is there a better TV character in the history of television? Is there a better character than the Fonz? Like, he was cool. He got the girls. He rode How? a motorcycle. Uh, he he, he was, literally I, jumped the shark. He jumped the shark. <laughs> created a jump the shark. Like, Henry Winkler has done a ton of other stuff in front of him behind the camera, but he is the Fonz. Like, yeah. Fonz stickers. Like, it not only was it a pop culture thing, it was just like in that show, he was, you know, if you get past some, like, looking back on it now, there's some, certainly some things in it that were kind of hokey because they just didn't hold up to the test, test of time. But. He was almost like a like a leather jacket clad Yoda for the cutting kind of <laughs> Sure, I, I guess <laughs> if that's what you want to. I guess if that's what you want to do is you want to put Fonzie on your list. Why right? not? I don't know. You're gonna put right, so I guess he's number six. He's not number one. So we'll we'll discuss it when you get closer. All right, moving on. And I, I forget his rank, but you got to go. Dick Winters, Band of Brothers. Sure. Now, which is tricky because it's that's based a, on a true story, and that's a miniseries. That's not. That's not Ooh. television. That's that was ten. That was ten parts, and that was it. You know what I mean, Steve? Like it has to oh, be. Oh yeah. That's those good, are because we did right. a miniseries one. You All know right. What I mean? Take Steve. it out. I gotta, yeah. And I don't have. But a, no, a absolutely. Fall, but. but even that, Steve. Like you talk about Dick Winters. I Ron Livingston's character. I loved Ron Livingston's sarcastic. I forget. Major was he Gates? Is he Archie Gates? Was that? Oh, like yeah, the, yeah. His best friend that goes up through him. Like, I love, but I love all, like, Bill Moyer and, and, and Bull and all of those characters. Like, that's hard to just. Right. But, yeah, right. yeah so, I'll take that. All right. So then we're going to do, mine's going to be a top five list. Anyways. Um, <laughs> unless, so, and then we talked about this already. Hawkeye from MASH. Yeah. Like, just the, I mean, th- that was a great ensemble cast. They rotated people in and out. But he, as the kind of the driver of that show. Alan Alda was great. Hawkeye, Alan that was just a great, that yeah. was a great character that had a lot of humanity to him. He was funny. It was, like, yeah, there was just a lot of cool stuff in there. And yeah. he was on my list. And, he, and he's the straight man to the cra- the zaniness of everything else of, uh, who's the cross-dresser? What the hell's his name? Klinger. Klinger. Was and, it Klinger? And, and, I don't and, know. And, and um, radar and the pre and father, what's his Trapper name? And, yeah, yeah like those, those, those are all yeah. over over the top, almost caricatures of people. Where he he's the everyman, the sarcastic, the the sarcastic wise old sage that kind of calms yeah, everybody yeah. down and talks everybody through it. So no, I, I can't argue with that. I can argue, I can argue about Fonz. Like Fonz, you yeah. can make an argument about historically relevant or iconic, but. Yeah, favorite, not best. Um, not best. Walter White is the next one on my list. See, that's what, Steve. And, you're and, going with like you're going with just. But the I, be- I went back and forth between him and Jesse. Okay. Because yeah. Jesse went from a that whole thing went from like a bit part to like sure. really own the show, but Oof. Walter Walter Dude. White. What, go ahead. You can't say Jesse owned that show. Walter White owned that show. Well, like, but you know what I mean. Like he he was like without it, I don't know if that show's the same. I mean, they were going to kill him off almost immediately. But yes, they were. I mean, Aaron it, Paul was so good. It was, was so good, Jesse and he he became like this. Like you, I I think you, I felt for him 
more like he was struggling, like he was doing things he didn't really want to do, whereas Walter White completely went from one person to another, like completely transformed. But that's uh, that's the argument for Walter White. That is, without a doubt, my favorite, not necessarily favorite, well, yeah, probably my most my favorite and most complete character arc that you've ever seen in a television show from the mild-mannered, uh, awkward... Uh, Matter was he was the science teacher to right. one of the most reputable and terrifying cartel bosses. Well, not, I wouldn't say cartel bosses, but drug kingpins. <laughs> right in, in the in the Southwest is is an amazing is an amazing transformation, and it it has a lot to do with the writing, and it has a lot to do with Brian Cranston yeah, owned yeah. that role. The the same I name scene. When he first, when they first realized that he's Heisenberg, like still gives me, when I think about it, I was like, oh man, Walter White's in some shit right now. And then (laughs) you know exactly who I am and stares this dude right in his face that basically is talking crap. And you see the look of acknowledgement come on that guy's face and he goes, you're you're Heisenberg. And he just kind of furrows his brow and he goes, you're goddamn right I am. (laughs) Like I still get, well, that's what like. When you send me things, that's I'll send that back, and it just says you're goddamn right, and it's just Walter White is looking angry. Uh, that's yeah. awesome. It, you can't argue that one, and I'll, I will go to war with anybody that doesn't put Walter White on the greatest yeah. characters of all time. And I and I and again, this is really in order, but maybe a little bit sure. in order. And I could argue that you could flip flop the, the next one uh, sure. on the list for me is is Tony Soprano. Sure. That just that that whole the way that whole show went down and the you know the it, it was it was interesting it was the uh, you know Walter if you look at the parallels or at least some some similarities in the character development right one goes from being you know the the the, the straight kind of science teacher into yeah. the kingpin the other one goes from the kingpin and trying to find this you know the, the the semblances of humanity and having a family and everything else it was not reversed but there was there were similarities they just come at it from different angles i thought i remember reading how i forget who i think it's david simon the guy that came up with it the the whole the whole premise of the show was was off the idea of a it literally was just like a one line it was like a mob boss goes to therapy like that's all. It, right. That's all it was, and that from that that became the framework of him and Lorena Bracco, their series. Like that's what humanized it versus the Don Corleone from The Godfather or or uh, uh, whatever Jimmy uh, Robert De Niro's character from Casino. Like those completely right. gruff, by the book, terrorized, ruthless crime bosses. Those those simple weekly seri- or sit-downs with Lorena Bracco's character humanized Tony in a way that you never saw on a crime show before. Like, you shouldn't root for Tony. Like, Tony's a womanizing... Uh, <laughs> yeah, a, a, he's not know, a good person. Not a good person at all. But you root for him because James Gandolfini is so good and and those sequences of Lorena Bracco are, are so poignant and relevant and acted the hell out of that you do. You, you associate... You root for him. You shouldn't right. at all. And I, I, I came around. What, dude, that ending pissed me off. I, th- I thought it was the biggest cop-out ending ever. And now when I think back, I, I actually kind of like it. So it only took 
12 years to get there. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. I'm, I'm okay with that. I, I think at my, in, in my old age, I start to respect creative decisions a little bit more, like to, to have the balls to end it that way instead of giving a clear-cut end, allow yep. the viewer to argue about it, and it still resonates. We're talking about it 12 years later. Agreed, yep. So it works. And now what we see with something, okay, so because Sopranos ended, when, like, do you say 12 years ago? So it ended yep. in 2007. Yep. Like, that was uh, probably the beginning of this whole thing that we have now, right? Where we have, like, that was on HBO, right? Uh-huh. And people, a lot of people subscribe to HBO to watch The Sopranos. Um, it had a v, it had DVD life. It had all of that, right? But it was before now what we have with all the streaming services where, like, that finale, like, you're trying to do service to, you know, you're trying to do fan service, yeah. <laughs> right? But you're also trying to hold true to what you, your creative thing yeah. And it was the first, I think, one of the first ones where, like, there was a reaction from a community of whether they liked it or not. Sure. Where where you fast forward to today and everybody's like, the Game of Thrones, like, this would be, yeah. Like, now the fan service, now they all have, like, a sense of entitlement. Like, yeah. you didn't, like, like they they have more ownership of the content than they probably feel like they, sh- like, than they really do have. Then they right? should. They, they, when you start, when you start giving the general public, it always comes back to the, the George Carlin argument. It's just like, think about how dumb the average American is and then realize half the population is dumber than that. So allowing, <laughs> allowing the, the culture, the, the masses decide things, it's not the really way it works. Like creative people work in creative fields because they, they, they're creative. Don't let Joe Plummer tell you that the design for Captain America's costume is wrong. Like, don't, don't listen to that guy. Listen to the guy that studied color theory and you know what I mean? Like, listen to those people versus the people that are just saying like, that's my argument about that new Sonic movie coming out. The Sonic the Hedgehog movie. Like, they mm-hmm. released the trailer and the backlash was so vehemently against the design of Sonic that they went back and they now they're redesigning the entire character again and have to reinsert it into the movie that was already completed. Like, that's a danger. That's a slippery slope to go down because now people are starting. It's the petition generation, Steve. It's the people right, that. Exactly. It's writing the HBO to tell them to remake season seven without, or season eight, whatever the last one was, without David Benenoff and David, or DB Weiss. Like, no. It's not the way it works, guys. You don't get to make those calls. The people that make those calls already made that call. So it missed. <laughs> right. It's done. It's over. It, it missed. Move the F on. Like, it's okay. Like, there's going to be something else we can argue about shortly. So, sorry. All right. I, I don't even need to go. You know what my last one is. Uh, no, I don't. Thomas P. Sullivan Magnum. <laughs> Magnum. It's tough, man. Dude, I haven't watched Magnum P.I. in such a long time. You were really obsessed with that show, though. Uh, yeah, I watched it as a kid. Then I watched it. was on in college. It was back-to-back with, with the Quantum Leap in syndication. So, oh, wow. It, a, um, yeah, there's something about punch. that show where... What did you say? I said that's a potent one-two punch. And, and Magnum was like... It had this kind of like... I mean, it, and it, it followed like a lot of those... Um, even even uh, mash a little bit in terms of like it, you had some serial uh, plot points like this whole thing with his past and Michelle yeah. 
the the woman and all that where it went from beginning to end where his time in the service and then you just had you had episodes that were just they were just I don't want to say filler but they didn't tie they're, into the overarching arching story they're called, but they're, they're, they're all they're good called, yeah the Robin Masters thing they're called um, bottle episodes like any any of those episodes that don't tie into the overarching plot they're called bottle episodes and sometimes like the bottle episodes like MacGyver my favorite episode of MacGyver of all time is the bottle episode where he goes to the house with the booby traps. You remember that, Steve? Did no, you watch MacGyver? I don't know that I ever watched MacGyver. Ever? Well, I watched it. Yeah, I watched some of it, but I don't know that I could uh, recall an episode. So the way you he watched... He solved the problem with duct tape. No, he like... did not, man. Don't <laughs> bastardize what, what Angus Oh, sorry. Bubblegum bubble gum and a paperclip. No, Steve, go back and watch it. The science makes sense. It does. Like, they had a, like, that's one of the things I will argue about people because Adam Savage from Mythbusters got into what he does because of MacGyver. So, like, that's one of those ones that, like, I love Adam Savage and I love his first name was Angus on the show, Angus MacGyver. But, like, the science is sound to a lot of those things, like, causing how to, how to short things out or cause chemical reactions. Like, the science was right. So, one of my, my now I just went off on a. Now, why isn't MacGyver on my list? I just realized that. But <laughs> it was hard. Like, there's a lot of television. Yeah. Like, but I. But if you go back through, and so again, I'm going back to Magnums. But if you go back through my list, my top list, like they're all ones from your childhood. No, I'm mean, Sopranos. I watched that. That was where I was in Virginia by then. Um, there's nothing from this decade. Breaking Bad. Yeah. Well, when was Breaking Bad's finale? That was, that was, that was 2009, 2008? Yeah. That no. was, that wasn't was this it? decade, Steve. Oh, wow. So, I mean, two, uh, oh, 2013. All right. All so, right. that's that you have one. From well, this, sweet. There we go. from this decade. Oh, it's very, very diplomatic of you. But I have, all mine are relatively recent, which is weird. No, that's, that's, that's on par. I mean, I don't watch a ton of television. You're more, and, you're more nostalgic um, than I am. Uh, no, I live but in I mean, the now, you, Steve. I live in the now. Uh, okay, but <laughs> come on, tell me, give me somebody that stands the test of time better than the Fonz. Come on. <laughs> does the what do you, Fonz what do you got? Really, gonna, does the Fonz really stand the test of time, Steve? He's a five-four sure. Jew. Is what? He's a five-four Jew. You take that five-four Jew and put him in modern high school right now and try to act the way he was, you get stuffed in a locker. It does what not, does that have to do with anything? You're talking about something What's that stands the, the test of time. Do you really think Fawn stands the test of time? You think not, kids well, today are going, man, I really wish I could be like the Fawns. As a character? Sure. We're not talking about, like, put him in... Uh, you you mis, misunderstand. There's iconic. We're not talking iconic. Anybody on your list iconic? Yeah. Jack Donaghy. Who? See, like, but that's the problem that I'm going to run into. All these ones that I'm going to make reference to, you're going to, you're not going to watch. Did you watch The Wire? Oh, no. yeah, but I didn't finish it. Okay, Stringer Bell. It just elbow on that character is one of my favorite characters of all time. You're going to argue Thomas Magnum is a better character than Stringer Bell, or or that Mag or that Magnum PI is a better show than The Wire. Hmm. Hmm. Mm. More iconic. Without Magnum PI, there is no Wire. <laughs> they set uh, the stage. Like, so wait, you're saying you're saying that Magnum PI set the stage for any crime procedurals that followed? 
Okay, that was a stretch. About the Baltimore um, drug. The wire, wire, wire was good. Like how I, about, I liked. How about Malcolm that, Reynolds? Oh, who that is? Captain Mao from Firefly slash Serenity, Nathan no. Fillion's character. No. You want to talk about? They're yeah, still. You, they're you still. Put him up against or her up against Fonz. Yeah, no one's clamoring for a Happy Days reboot. People are still. There's still an army of people out there trying to get Firefly and Serenity to come back. Why? Because it was a great show that you never watched. So I can't argue the validity mm. over it because you're just going to point the the numbers. Like, look at Happy Days. It had like a 24.7 rating. <laughs> there was three channels back then, and no one could pick anything else. Like you went with these historical ones that are like that's the best, Steve. Like you're talking about. It was filmed in front of a live studio audience. Was it? Yeah. Was it? Happy Days was filmed in front of a live dollar bet. I don't care. No, I'm not doing a dollar bet on something I don't give a crap about. You already <laughs> lost. You already lost a dollar this one. Did I? On yeah. what? On what was Sylvester Stallone's name in Cobra? Marion Cabretti. Heidi, Heidi- Heidi Plume? No, you said Helen. No, I think that's what you said, said his name was Helen. But that's like Ron Swanson? You don't watch Parks and Rec, do you? No. Okay. So like that's what I mean. So you're talking about shows that everybody watched back in the day because no one had any other choice but to watch those shows versus ones that I watch now that I really, really like. Mm. You're doing best versus favorite. I'm doing favorite. I guess I'm arguing that your favorites aren't right, but <laughs> <laughs> my favorites aren't the best. Well, okay. no. Fair enough. Yeah, uh, Alan, the, you don't watch the Good Place either, do you? Uh, I've watched. We watched the first like season and a half. And stay with it. No. You also think Fury Road's terrible. Yeah, well. I mean, I'm done with you. <laughs> I'm, done, I'm done with this good versus best argument because I, I have other ones on there. Like you don't watch Blacklist. I'm assuming. No. But James Spader as Raymond Red Reddington is one of my favorite Oh, you're characters. back to Spader again? Wait, are we back to episode one? Yeah. Two? We're bringing it back because I'm mentally That was the first dollar bet was, was Spader being part of the Brat Pack. Should have been. Over <laughs> Andrew fucking McCarthy. Shut up, Andrew McCarthy. Get out of here. Oh. Hey, so uh, anything else to add on this? Because I do want to have another just random no. thing I wanted to bring up. No. That's it. That's all, all I right. got because you're wrong about most stuff and don't watch enough television. All right. So <laughs> I don't watch enough television. I watch a plenty. Um, I don't watch an excessive amount and I don't, I don't binge watch like I used to. So a couple of things. Um, uh, there's a, uh, and I don't know if you've uh, are hip to this trend, but our brother-in-law, our, our sister's husband turned me on to this, uh, the concept of outdoor TV watching. Yeah. Like, Taking yeah, a TV, a putting it on fan. a covered patio. Yeah, big fan. So I have an old 42-inch plasma. So when we moved, we have a uh, – it's really like a carport, but mm-hmm. it is now outdoor. Outdoor living room? Yeah, it's awesome. Yep. Yeah. And I watched and I watched John Wick the other night outside by myself, and it was awesome. It was awesome. I rewatched the second one last night because it was just on when I was doing prep for this. It was just – they put it on. I, I sell, sold that movie short. I have a problem with the action sequences go a little long, and there's a little bit of redundancy from the first one. But there's a few characters like the. Do you know P- Peter Peter Serafini, whatever his name is, the guy, the guy that plays the ta- not the tailor, but the the armament guy, the guy that has all the weapons. Peter Serafinitz, I think his name. Um, 
Do you know what I'm talking about? When he goes no. and he's talking about dinner reservations, and he was like, I want something robust at the end, and he gives him the shotgun, and they're talking about, like, the characters that are going to populate that continental show that they're making, I think it's for stars, maybe, about the actual the inner workings of the continental and how you, the tailors that make the bulletproof suits and all that mm-hmm. stuff. If they do that well, I'm and counter Reeves that can at least make a cameo in it. I'm a hundred percent in. Yeah. But the second one, the, the, the set peak pieces are a little bit too over the top for me. Like the mirrored fight sequence is a little bit too. Mm-hmm. I didn't watch the second one. I just watched it. It's been a while since I watched the second one, but the first one, man, I watched it. I was like, man, this is good. And then watching it outside was awesome. Yeah, and then to you, I guess you're out in the middle of nowhere. I was gonna say like my through my backyard, there could be like a six year old sitting outside yeah, and nope. watching John Wick. Nope. nope, there was maybe a deer watching, but no. That was... <laughs> but we uh, we so, just got so our that... patio redone, and I'm building a like a screen to put out back, and we're just gonna buy like a projector to put out there because we have like a bunch nice. of Bluetooth speakers that we can just attach, like just link up to it, and so we can kind of surround our patio set, and I can build a fire and. Yeah. Outdoor t- outdoor TV watching, man, it's great, especially going in the fall. Yep, ready for ready for Browns. So big big fan. Um, watched Jaws last night. So uh, uh, Maya, because that's on the summer movie list that we came yep. came up for the kids. So while Charlie was uh, out on a boat, we watched uh, Breakfast Club. Maya really liked Breakfast Club. Um, and then last night, Jaws. Maya couldn't watch. She couldn't watch Jaws because she doesn't like the portrayal. She, she wants to be a marine biologist. And she's really <laughs> into like sharks and stingrays and all that. And she did not like the portrayal of the shark as the 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 bad guy. The, the bad guy. <laughs> yeah. The shark. She's like I'm, I'm, I'm out on this natural predator. But it was like watching. So watching Jaws last night. So Charlie's seen Jaws six times. <laughs> he when he flew from. Seattle to uh, like um, JFK, and then from JFK to um, the is it the Virgin Islands? Yeah, whatever. Um, he I, he's like I watched it four times. I, like you just kept watching it. He's like, yeah, I watched it four times. Right before he goes out on a boat for a <laughs> week. Before too? he goes like, on a boat, this is a terrible idea. Like that's before, like, and he spent almost the whole time snorkeling. <laughs> like, and and he's like, I didn't realize to like shark, the, didn't shark realize that there were sharks before. there. Oh. So, Smart. but and he he watched it in his film class in he's in seventh grade. He watched Jaws, and it was like watching Jaws with you. He's like, "That's a real shark. That's a mechanical shark." He's like, "You only he's like you only see the you only hear the music when the shark is around." Yeah. He's like, every time Brody starts to fit in, the shark shows up. <laughs> I was like. Damn, dude! Like yeah. he was like, and I don't know, and and he and then at the very end he brought up the um, the shark still doesn't work or whatever that documentary. The shark, the shark still isn't working. Yep, right. Well, he hasn't watched that, but he, he brought it up. He's like, you know, there's a documentary, and I was like, oh yeah, I was like, it was like watching it with your uncle Chris. I, I told so. him about it. We talked oh, when, we were, when we were in yeah. Erie over the Fourth. I was talking. I was like, yeah, I heard you just watched Jaws, and he was like, yeah. He was like, I, I was like, did you like it? And he was like, yeah, I really liked it. I was like, I 
freaking loved that movie. And he goes, oh, I didn't know that. I was like, my son's name is Brody. <laughs> and he was like, oh, my God, I didn't even think about that. I was like, yeah. And I, he was like, so what's your favorite part? I was like, I love the fact that you don't see hard red until the first shark attack because Spielberg didn't want the blood to feel like it was minimized. So anytime you see pink, it's just faded red. And he was like, what are you talking about? And I was like, all right, maybe I'm going a little quick. But it, once I told him that, and I was like, go next time you go back and watch it, look, there's no hard red colors the entire time until the first shark like until the first time you see the shark attack the boy on the inner tube everything that was red is like a faded pink now and because spielberg didn't want to minimize the effect of seeing blood in the water the first time and i also told him to go back and watch and when he gets is he back Ask him if he watched. The yeah, scene. yeah, yeah. We watched it last night. I asked him if he reminded if he remembered the when I told him when they go out onto the the ferry, the the mayor and and Chief Brody go out on the ferry to have their conversation. That ferry doesn't go anywhere. It just goes in a big circle, and they end up exactly in the same spot. That they left <laughs> it's one of those things that people are like, "What are you talking about?" And then they watch it, and they're like, "Oh my god, they totally do!" Like the same people are standing on the dock. Like they didn't even try That's to make funny. it look like they landed somewhere else. Like you see the sun. Like, they circle around and they go exactly back to the same spot. Like, it doesn't go anywhere. But they needed... It was another conversation scene. And they Spielberg needed to move it. And they're like, well, we got this fucking ferry sitting here. It's not doing anything. And they're like, all right, let's put him on the ferry. We'll just go out. <laughs> we'll spin in a circle. We'll come back. And it'll look kinetic. Because it was supposed to feel like that's when everything started snowballing out of control. It's when they had to go and they had to talk about getting the town back together. And it, it had, if they were just sitting in an office, it wouldn't have felt immediate. There wouldn't have felt any kind of urgency to that scene. So he was like, all right, right fuck it. Put them on a boat. Go to a big circle. Yep. And Charlie's all about the barrels save the movie. Yep. That the was a the huge fact thing. that the shark didn't work save the movie. Right. If, right. The, if the shark worked and it turned into. I was going to make a them reference, but I'm pretty sure you were not familiar with the 1950s giant ant movie that I was referring to there. But but when you start, if it would have worked, he would have tried to overuse it and it wouldn't have been as scary as it was. The the whole idea of shooting it from the shark's point of view was forced upon him because that shark sank to the friggin' bottom of the Puget Sound or whatever it was the first time. And then the other ones got soaked with water because they made it with the wrong material and it just, like, seized. Right. So... But yeah, that's all I got. And he also like the the one scene um, when I think it was just Richard Dreyfus and Brody go out by themselves. He's like, that was all filmed in a pool. Yep. I was like, but it has it, but it looks like they're out. He's like, no, it's a pool. Yeah, I was like, all right. Cool. So but a lot of the there you go. But a lot of the stuff that they did, they shot out, and I think it was Martha's Vineyard is where they shot it. One, whatever that sound is, is it Puget Sound or no Puget Sound is out here in Seattle. Okay, whatever Martha's Vineyard it was off Cape Cod. It was up yep. in that area is where they shot a lot of it. But I think the 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 bones of the first shark is still at the bottom of the bottom of that sound of Martha's Vineyard because they they literally they tell the story in the shark is still working the first one they dropped in the water it just sank and they never (laughs) saw it they just saw they saw bubbles and they were just like oh no and then they had to bring in the next one and then the next one like twitched and that's why you couldn't shoot it but that's that's what great film is man is when you think on your feet and when things go wrong they make the most amount of sense and it works the best so but so that's all I got on my list. I have other ones that you would argue because you didn't want you don't watch the Good Place or you didn't watch Community, and I can't really argue that House is better than the Fawns. I guess <laughs> House is a good character though. That's a good one. I should yeah, great character. He was. A, that's a good character. 
great character. And there's he has an arc on that show too, and and it's weird seeing seeing how seeing Hugh Laurie not do an American accent. Like I didn't know he was I didn't know he was British until like way late in that run, and I was like, holy crap, he's actually British. Yep, and super British. But uh, who's it? Wilson? Who's the actor that plays Wilson? He was in was he in Dead Poets Society? He was in. Um... Yeah, wasn't he it was, the same guy that was in? Uh, oh God, he was Dead Poet Society, wasn't he? Dollar. Oh Man. yeah, yeah, he he was definitely dead. Yep, yeah, he was. Was yeah, he in Newsies right. too? I was thinking that he was in that vampire Chris- movie with Jim Carrey. Holy crap! Once bitten. <laughs> yeah, wasn't holy, he? Holy, Is that a dollar crap. bet? Uh, I don't know. I'm looking. I'll do a dollar bet on that one. I'm probably wrong, but. Cleveland Little. <laughs> Jeb Jeb Adams, no. Once bitten, that that was the movie. That's definitely the movie. Yeah, it's once bitten. Definitely. No, I loved that movie, and I don't know why. Just because Lauren Hutton was super hot, and I was like, man, I would totally become a vampire for Lauren Hutton. But no, he was not. But he definitely wasn't Dead Poet Society. All right, we're just now rambling on, dude. Okay. So All right. now I owe you Rob, another dollar. Robert so John to, Leonard, five dollars for the season. Wait, so. five? Oh, right, crap. Yep. So that's five dollars. Even All right, $5. I'm going to Venmo you because we're going to start. We're going to start a new next season. Okay, fair enough. And just so our viewers are, or our listeners, not our viewers, our, our listeners are clear, like we're not actually going to take any time off. Like we're going to be back for season seven, episode one of season six, seven next week, but we just wanted to have, yeah, but we got to re we got to revamp the format. Um, I'm going to bring on a new co-host. Okay. Um. <laughs> go, go, go right ahead. You dingleberry. <laughs> All right. What did I lose on? Oh, Cobra. I'm just making notes on the Cobra name. And, um, whether Robert Sean Leonard was once, in been, once bitten. That might be the most random one of the entire year. That's how you What, what was his name? Robert Sean Leonard? Robert Sean right. Leonard. You got, while, while I'm looking him up, why don't you, uh, why don't you take, take us out? So I think that's going to end this episode of the Matchwits podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Matchwits. Is that it? Just at Matchwits? Like, I don't think we actually have a... And then you can find us on your favorite podcast streaming service of choice, whether it was that Avalanche one or iTunes. Where I, <laughs> Avalanche, you mean Himalaya? Himalaya, that one too. I don't know. Like, I've never even heard of that one before. But we, you can also find us online at uh, matchwits.com. Uh, Find us on social media and give us a like. Review us on iTunes. Uh, let us know if you guys have any ideas for topics or want to tell Steve how terrible his taste in movies are. Uh, he was than... in My Best Friend is a Vampire. Okay. That's not what you said. You said the Jim Carrey one. I know. I was wrong. But I was nice. close. I get half. I get 50 cents. Yeah. So you owe me 450. <laughs> you, owe me, you owe me 450 now. I don't even remember my best friend as a vampire. I don't either, but I remember that guy. Anyways. Anyways, you can find me on Twitter and Facebook and all that stuff at at AcquiredWit. At AcquiredWit. Steve doesn't like to use his for public use, so um, that'll about do it. I use MatchWits. Yeah. No, you don't. (laughs) You have (laughs) MatchWits and you have access to MatchWits, but you don't use it. I'm getting better. You're getting better. All right. All right. Until next week. Your turn to bid you adieu. Adieu. All right, brother. I'll talk to you later. What looks good tonight? I don't know.
boat. He just called. He's on his way. Meds coming separately. She had to go to the doctor. Switch birth control. Talk to Mink again? It's Carlo. He's gonna testify. Onion rings. Special estate, as far as I'm concerned. Doing a getting coffee and placing English phone calls. You may not realize it, but you are making contacts. It's an entry level job. So buck up. Right. Focus on the good times. Don't be sarcastic. Isn't that what you said one time? You try and remember the times that were good? I did? Yeah. Well, it's true, I guess.